0: Listener supported WNYC Studios. From WNYC Studios, I'm Brian Lehrer. This is my daily politics podcast. It's Friday, June 23rd. So, the Supreme Court issued new rulings today, as we've been discussing. Tomorrow is the one-year anniversary of the so-called Dobbs decision, which overturned the court's own Roe v. Wade ruling, which had protected the right to an abortion since 1973. With that constitutional protection gone, here are some stats on what has actually changed in the last year. First, from the Society of Family Planning. From last July through March of this year, there are around 25,000 fewer abortions provided at in-person medical settings than would have been expected based on the year before. 25,640 fewer abortions, to be precise, from that report. Also, though the numbers have gone in different directions in different states. While there was a dramatic reduction in abortion procedures in states that newly banned them, states where abortion remained legal saw an increase in the number of procedures that could reflect women traveling from their home states, as well as other factors. There's also this from the health policy think tank KFF. Since the Dobbs decision, Half of OBGYNs practicing in states where abortion is banned say they have had patients in their practice who were unable to obtain an abortion they sought. Also, most OBGYNs, 68%, say the ruling has worsened their ability to manage pregnancy-related emergencies. Large shares of OBGYNs also believe that the Dobbs decision has worsened pregnancy-related mortality, 64% of them believe that, racial and ethnic inequities in maternal health, 70% of OBGYNs said that, and the ability to attract new OBGYNs to the field, 55%. That from KFF, until recently known as the Kaiser Family Foundation. There are also some new stats. Peg to the Dobbs decision anniversary about public opinion. A new NBC News poll just out finds 61% of voters disapprove of the Dobbs ruling that overturned Roe. And when you look at the results among perhaps the only people who should even get a vote on this, nearly 80% of female voters ages 18 to 49 disapproved. And at 80% disapproval, that obviously cuts way across party lines. Also in that poll, two-thirds of suburban women and 60% of independents said they disapprove. So in these states eliminating abortion rights now that they can, this NBC poll indicates that these these laws are basically the policies of Republican men imposing them on everyone else. With us now, Alice Miranda Olstein, healthcare reporter for Politico. Her latest article is called 10 Things We've Learned About Abortion in the Year Since Roe Fell. Alice, thanks for coming on, and thanks for sharing those KFF and Society of Family planning reports with us before the show that I cited some of those numbers from. Welcome to WNYC.
1: Thank you so much.
0: And that estimate of 25,000 fewer in the office abortions in the first nine months after the decision. And all those OBGYN saying they personally have had patients who couldn't get an abortion, they saw it. This is not just a philosophical debate, right? This has already affected many people's lives. And maybe it's obvious, but I just feel like we should say that out loud. Are you surprised that the number of abortions in the remaining legal states actually went up?
1: i'm i'm not surprised by that um that was absolutely predicted when we knew roe versus wade was going to be overturned i will also just say that i'm taking all of these data points with somewhat of a grain of salt really solid data takes a long time to collect and analyze um you know these are some potentially early signals but they are incomplete not all abortion providers um, responded to these requests uh-huh. for data, so there are some some holes there. It also doesn't account for people who procured abortion pills and self managed their abortion at home, you know, in in privacy. So there's just a lot. Which we is still actually don't the know.
0: majority of abortions in this country, as I understand it, right? Done through the pill uh, or pills, and not in offices.
1: Um, yes, but there's a difference between uh, using pills uh, within the medical system, getting them from a doctor officially prescribed and these sort of extra legal gray area ways that people are obtaining ah, them.
0: Right. I see. So even some people getting um, medication abortions with pills are counted in these stats because they may have gotten them That's from right. doctors. Uh, or That's clinics. right.
1: Yes. But not all. And so, right. you know, the, the sort of official federal government data on abortion will take you know years. Um, so I, I think while we can draw a lot of conclusions and see a lot of really fascinating trends from the past year, it's somewhat premature to make sort of sweeping uh, declarations and takeaways. So much is still in flux.
0: Your article, 10 Things We've Learned About Abortion in the Year Since Roe Fell, and your number one was the Supreme Court wanted to wash their hands of the abortion issue. That's not happening. So how is it not? How are abortion rights heading back to the Supreme Court?
1: Well, they've headed back there already. It took not even a year after some of the conservative justices in the minority said, you know, when they issued the Dobbs decision, they said, look, this returns the issue of abortion back to the states where it belongs. It was always wrong for courts to set national abortion policy. And yet we have courts continuing to set national abortion policy. Um, so the example we've had so far is in the litigation around um federal approval of abortion pills. Uh, There's this case out of Texas that is attempting to um, remove FDA approval for them nationwide. Um, And the Supreme Court intervened in that case and and said, let's hit pause. Let's not change things for the time being until the case fully plays out. That case is expected to go back to the Supreme Court next year. But a bunch of other cases could also go back before the Supreme Court um, next year, our, the term is is almost over now, and by next year I mean uh, this fall when they kick off their their uh, new term, and so there are tons of cases that could come back before them regarding. Um, the Title X Family Planning Program and their ability to make abortion referrals. Um, there's also the Title X Program and their ability to provide contraception to teens without their parents' permission. That's not directly related to abortion, but sort of an adjacent issue. Um, and there are federal cases around the um, s- state abortion bans clashing with federal law requiring patients um, to be able to receive treatment in an emergency. Um, and so, yeah, the um, I talked to some legal experts who said it was pretty naive of the justices to think that they were going to be able to get out of the abortion game entirely. And that's what we're seeing now.
0: Yeah. And that relates to item number nine on your 10 items list, that religion cuts both ways, right?
1: That's right. So, you know, we've seen a lot of... Um, anti-abortion uh, folks, both in and out of government, making religious appeals to to back their position. But what we're starting to see now is an effort from religious folks on the left who say, my religion supports the right to get an abortion. And they are bringing, increasingly bringing Legal challenges making that point and saying that state abortion bans infringe on their religious liberty, um, those cases uh, are mostly in state court. There are a couple in federal court, but I think they will have the most impact at the state level
0: um here's a text from a listener who says i 'm a provider seeing women travel from Florida and Texas to the Bronx also On the American board of OBGYN examiners, Um, some are declining to go to Texas to administer the exam because of fear or a protest against the state. Mm -hmm. Do either of those ring true based on your reporting?
1: Yes, definitely. Um, We're, we're definitely hearing of that. And, you know, again, I think it's just going to take time. I think, it's going to take time to see the full impact of this. And again, state law is not quite settled either. We had you know, a ruling in Wyoming this week maintaining the legality of abortion pills. We've had other rulings pretty recently in South Carolina and Iowa. And so the landscape is far from settled. There are a lot more changes yet to come. And it will also depend on how people vote in the coming years. We have, after la- after last fall's, sweep for the pro-abortion rights side in state ballot initiatives. We're going to see a lot more of those in the year ahead.
0: And another listener texts, is there a potential legal avenue to pursue where a woman seeking a miscarriage, I don't know you seek a miscarriage, but probably they meant going in for treatment of a miscarriage, was denied care and could argue the state laws infringed upon her rights or a doctor's right to provide care?
1: So we're we already have some instances of that. We have the Biden administration challenging um, Idaho and Texas over not um, providing, or there 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 has been litigation related to that uh, in terms of the availability of care in an emergency. We could definitely see more. Um, I think that it's not um, it's not impossible, but a lot of abortion litigation requires what's known as third party standing because of the time sensitive nature of pregnancy and abortion and how long legal challenges take to play out. Usually you have uh, doctors or other folks bringing cases on behalf of abortion patients or, or miscarriage patients. And so I think we'll mainly continue to see that going forward.
0: I cited those new NBC News poll results showing 80 percent, 80 percent of women 18 to 49 disapproved of overturning Roe, plus 60 percent of Americans overall, including 60 percent of independents. This goes to your item number four. Abortion rights are winning at the ballot box. Uh, And you said both sides are behaving accordingly. Can you give us a little of what each side is doing in response to polling like that?
1: That's right. So you have pro-abortion rights folks trying to do more ballot measures uh, because of the success last year, and especially the success last year in places seen as really conservative, like Kentucky, like Kansas, like Montana. It's really changed where people think it's possible to have a popular vote on abortion rights go in the direction of expanding or restoring access. So there are efforts now to get this before voters in um, Missouri and Ohio and Florida and South Dakota and Nevada and probably more states after that. When I say both sides are behaving accordingly, We've been reporting on a lot of Republican state lawmakers attempting to pass measures or um, in other ways make it more difficult to hold a popular vote on abortion rights or anything else. But, you know, this is definitely coming at a time when abortion rights are front and center. And and some state lawmakers are, are open about the fact that uh, it's it's about abortion. And so uh, I think um It's an interesting acknowledgement of the popularity of the issue.
0: Yeah, we've talked about that on this show before, how some anti-abortion rights legislators at the state level in various states are trying to change the rules for referenda generally. But what it's really targeted at is um, keeping this question off the ballot. And yet another item... On your list of 10, is that neither the left nor the right are united on a path forward. So, what does that look like to you on the left, the abortion right side?
1: Yeah, so it's definitely more pronounced on the right because the right, you know, spent decades and decades, you know, having a very sort of Singular message of, you know, we oppose abortion, we are pro-life, we are against Roe versus Wade. But when it came time to be able to nail down the details in this post-Roe era, it wasn't so easy. It wasn't so easy to agree. Should there be exemptions? If so, for whom? Should the ban start at conception or at six weeks or at 15 weeks or at 12 weeks or at 20 weeks? Um, That's been really hard for uh, Republican lawmakers to agree on at both the state and federal level. You're seeing a lot of clashes. Now, on the left, it is popping up in a few interesting spaces. Um, You know, we talked about those ballot measures coming up, most of them would only restore abortion rights up to the point of fetal viability, which was what Roe versus Wade essentially said. But there are many on the left who think that that doesn't go far enough, that that's sort of capitulating before the fight even begins, that they should restore abortion rights without limits. And so that's that's been an interesting clash there. Um Obviously, a lot of folks on the left think that that would not win at the ballot box, and so they 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 say, you know, better better to restore most abortion rights uh, than than have nothing. You're also yeah. seeing some divisions on an, on an interesting point: this question of parental consent. Um, there are folks who believe that uh, teens should be able to obtain an abortion without the consent or even notification of their parents. And that makes a lot of uh, Democrats really uncomfortable. And so there's been some interesting tension there as well.
0: And the New York Times reported that another sticking point for advocates is whether to include the word women in the language on referenda. That's the pregnant people debate. Have you run into that in your reporting?
1: A bit. And, and that that has definitely been a generational split Um younger abortion rights advocates you know are more in favor of more inclusive language that acknowledges that trans people and intersex people and people of different genders uh have the ability to get pregnant and and seek abortions and there are you know folks who are feel that that sort of gender neutral language can be alienating. And they think that it's much stronger to uh, stick with language about women. And so that has been an interesting split.
0: One of the cases that you were talking about before, Alice, making its way maybe back up to the Supreme Court, and and it's based on religious liberty. Uh, and personally, I love the religious liberty argument. This always looked to me like certain religions using the state to impose their theology about when personhood begins on other religions. Roe was decided on other grounds, not that. But it doesn't matter what I think. Maybe we'll eventually see what Amy Coney Barrett and Samuel Alito, those big proponents of religious liberty in other ways, think about that. You think that's going to put them in a tough spot?
1: Potentially, and and I want to note there's sort of two different branches of these religious liberty challenges, and and a lot of them are led by Jewish plaintiffs. I will note, um, you know, particularly citing Jewish law that says that life doesn't begin until a baby takes its first breath, which is obviously in conflict with with a lot of these state abortion laws. Um, and so you have folks who are challenging these laws in their entirety, trying to get them struck down altogether by arguing, just as you just said, that this is blurring the uh, division between church and state and imposing one religion's view of uh, abortion over everyone else. But there are a lot more cases that are trying to force states to offer religious exemptions to their abortion bans um, for, for people of faith whose, whose religions support abortion. And so it, it, there's sort of multiple ways this could go.
0: Huh. But if they allow religious exemptions, Wouldn't that basically allow exemptions for anybody? Because once upon a time, if you were a conscientious objector to the military draft, uh, you had to prove it based on a specific organized religion that you were a part of. And then that got struck down in court. I mean, this goes back 50 years and more, um, you know, that you could have a personal conscience that's not based on your organized religion that leaves you against taking up arms, and they granted conscientious objector status on on those grounds. So maybe that would completely uh, open um, abortion rights again if anything like that were to come down, and we've got 20 seconds left.
1: Well, I will say that the exemptions that are currently offered in law in a bunch of states are not proving accessible in practice. I'm thinking, you know, for for instances of rape and incest, there's just too many hoops that people have to jump through in order to claim those. Mm. Um, And so I would I would also uh, like you be um, skeptical of how it would work in practice. For now, we're just seeing will this legal argument even fly in court? Yeah.
0: Alice Miranda Olstein, healthcare reporter for Politico. Her latest article is called 10 Things We've Learned About Abortion in the Year Since Roe Fell. Thank you so much for sharing them with us.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Brian Lehrer, a daily politics podcast, is an excerpt from my live daily radio show, The Brian Lehrer Show, on WNYC Radio. 10 a.m. to noon Eastern Time if you want to listen live at WNYC.org. Thanks for listening today. Talk to you next time.